Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you on this Friday. It's been an incredible week once again. God has been so good to us. And I want to remind you, if you're with us at the very beginning of the broadcast today, that God loves you and that your salvation, your redemption, your being purchased by the all-powerful blood of Jesus Christ, your name being written in the Lamb's Book of Life, Your eternal destiny is all wrapped up in your faith in Jesus, the Christ from Nazareth. Think about that. Everything that has happened in your life that is from the Lord is because your faith. You have been declared righteous by your faith. Even as Abraham was declared righteous by his faith, even so the children of Abraham received the same blessing. What was the blessing of Abraham in Galatians chapter 3? It was to be declared righteous by faith. And so when people try to, you know, become righteous by their works, um, it doesn't work, okay? You cannot work to get this blessing. It is an unmerited and undeserved blessing Upon your life. And I think that's absolutely phenomenal. So this is the free gift. We have been declared righteous. It's according to our faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so you and I, the redeemed of the Lord, have received a great honor that our faith in Jesus Christ has afforded us a righteousness. Now, what we do know 
is that when we are declared righteous by faith, just like Abraham, and we receive that blessing, we must understand that they who are righteous do righteousness. In other words, you can't just walk around saying, well, I'm the righteousness of God, and I've been declared righteous by my faith, and then not do what is righteous. And so in the epistles of John, he writes that, you know, don't be deceived about this. He was righteous, do with righteousness. So we're not trying to do anything to become righteous. We are declared righteous by our faith in Jesus. And then out of that, we do what is right. Now, I don't know about you, but that is a great blessing. And on this Friday morning, I just wanted to encourage all the saints of God about your faith and to remind you that your faith is going to be the most precious commodity that the world will ever know. And we all know this passage of scripture, but I thought it would be really good to read it just one more time. Uh, and this is coming out of 1 Peter chapter 1. In 1 Peter chapter 1, he writes and says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 6, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perishes, though it be tried with fire, your faith might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love. Now think about that. The trial of our faith is going to be found unto praise, honor, and glory at the appearing. How do you want to be found at the appearing of Christ? With praise, honor, and glory that's coming through you because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Faith is not abstract. Faith is not make-believe. Faith actually does move mountains, and faith actually does create atmosphere. Faith actually produces character. Faith actually uh, opens the door to everything God. And our salvation is rooted in our faith. Our salvation is a free gift given by God the Creator. And it's when Abraham believed God, he was accounted for righteousness. That was accounted for righteousness, and he was declared righteous. You and I today believe God, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So you and I have received a gift of salvation, the unmerited favor of God, because of our faith in what Jesus has done. Out of that comes the good works, it all the righteous works flow out of that reality. It's not backwards. We're not trying to get saved by doing. We are saved, and out from our salvation, good things happen through us. So I wanted to just bring that encouragement to you this weekend that maybe you're in a trial, maybe you're going through a tough season. It's your faith that's going to bring you through. Your faith must be tried in the fire. Your faith will be more precious than gold. 
I mean, in the last days, people are going to have bars and bars and bars of gold, but it's not going to save them. What is going to be more precious in value than bars of gold is purified faith. Because purified faith is going to bring you through every season in your life. It's going to bring you through every trial. It's going to bring you through every battle. This is genuine. This is reality. We talk a lot on this broadcast about what's going on in the world because we're looking through a biblical lens at the signs of the times and then seeking to give interpretation to encourage and equip the saints of God. That's what we do. But we also must remember that our faith is paramount to our success to our survival, to our endurance. Without faith, we cannot please God, number one. And without faith, we cannot move mountains. And without faith, we can't go through the seasons of life that are difficult. We're always going to be reaching for something else. And the time is coming that there will be nothing else. All there will be is faith. Faith in what? Faith in God. Faith in God's promises. Faith that God is with you even when you don't feel him, when you don't see him, when you don't hear him. Faith to keep you from doing anything that would be offensive to God. Be faith telling you to do what is right when nobody's looking. Faith to live as though God is right there, even though you don't feel him. That's what faith is. Faith is a belief. It's a persuasion. And just because difficult times come does not mean that we abandon our faith and look for the things of this physical world to save us. It's our faith that saves Our faith is a gift from God, and God takes your gift and my gift of faith, whatever measure we have, and he sanctifies it. He purifies it through trials. Faith isn't just sitting by itself, you know, incubating somewhere. Faith must be produced. It must grow. He says, grow in your faith. Grow in your love. Go from faith to faith, right? From strength to strength, from glory to glory. Everything is expanding, everything is increasing, and we are living in the last days, and the signs of the times are all around us, so the demand for our faith to be more genuine than ever before is absolute. It is imperative that you and I walk by faith and not by sight, for the just shall live by faith. So as we move into the weekend, and we continue to hear the things that are going on in the world, make sure that you give opportunity for your faith to grow. And how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. You want to hear the word of the Lord that is going to cause your faith to grow. You're going to need to know. And you read the book of Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the Hall of Faith. And it talks about all the pioneers of the faith in the Old Testament. And it's an encouragement to the people of the New Testament that faith really is as powerful as God made it to be. And yet, faith without works is dead. A man could say, I have faith, but have no works. And then someone could say, well, here are my works that are from my faith. Remember the book of James. So faith without works is dead. So allow your faith to have works connected to it. And that work may simply be obedience to the word of God, following the instructions when nobody's looking, when you don't think God is even watching. But faith says, well, here's what the word says, so I'm going to do what the word says because I'm I'm employing my faith right now. So allow your faith to be strengthened. Allow your faith to grow. 
And I just wanted to leave that with you today. I want you uh, or, or, or begin the day that way uh, because faith is awesome. And faith, if I have faith to move mountains but have not love, it's for nothing. So faith is imperative. You have to have it. But if you don't have love undergirding it, and faith is not coming out of love for God and love for neighbor, then faith really is useless, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We could have faith to move mountains. We could pray like angels. We could give all that we have. But without love, it's all meaningless. So what remains? Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. In other words, I'd prefer to have more love and no faith rather than to have all faith and no love. Because without love, nothing else works. But these three, faith, hope, and love, are essential to our survival and success as overcomers in the end times so that we might get the victory. And what is the victory? This is our victory that overcomes the world. 1 John chapter 5, even our faith. Our faith is going to produce a victory in these last days while it's emanating out of the love of God, the love that God has shed abroad in our hearts, and we have a confident expectation. Actually, the Greek definition, a cheerful, joyful, confident expectation. That is called hope. So we have faith, hope, and love to carry us through to the other side of this great tribulation that is coming down the pike, that we're going to have to prepare. We know that the signs of the times are here. Everything is telling us that the, the, the birth pangs are accelerating. They're intensifying. These are sure signs that the pregnancy is going to continue on and that we are going to have to go through. You're going to need faith, hope, and love. We're all going to need that. You cannot abandon any one of them. Without faith, without hope, without love, it won't work. You and I must be baptized in faith, hope, and love. And every trial that comes our way, the trial to love somebody that did us wrong, the trial to love God and not worship idols or whatever or to put things before God, uh, but the trial uh, to not be offended. If I'm offended, I'm not walking in love. And so we must allow these three qualities to carry us through. We will not be able to go through with any physical means, by any physical means in and of themselves. We are going to need faith, hope, and love. I want to encourage your faith today. I want to encourage your love today. I want to encourage your hope today that regardless of what it looks like, regardless of what it sounds like, you have a bright future. You have a brilliant future just ahead of you on the other side of this great tribulation. There is going to be a trumpet sound. There is going to be an angelic release. The dead in Christ are going to rise. The voice of the archangel is going to be heard throughout all the earth. And we who are alive and remaining and made it through the great tribulation, we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. We're going to be changed in a moment, the twinkle of an eye. And we're going on into an eternal blessing that is more powerful than anything we could ever describe, and we don't want to miss that. We do not want to miss that. So faith, hope, and love are the essential ingredients for our success, 
our victory and to literally be identified as overcomers at the end of the age. And where will the overcomers be at the end of the age? Sitting in the throne, ruling and reigning with the Lord Jesus Christ, having rods of iron, breaking to pieces all the nations that have not submitted. Well, if we don't overcome and we lose heart and we give up on faith and hope and love, if we're saved, we may be before the throne and walking and being blessed because of our, 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 at least our salvation and our faith in Jesus Christ for that. But that's risky business, man. I would not want to decrease. I would want to increase. And we know in the last days, the love of many will be lost. We know that people are going to give up their faith. They're going to give up their hope. They're going to betray one another, kill one another, hate one another. The times will demand. So the intrinsic qualities, it doesn't matter. You don't have to prove it to your pastor. You don't have to prove it to your friend. You don't have to prove it to your spouse. You don't have to prove it to anybody. What you need to do is have your faith, hope, and love proven inside of you. You need to know that regardless of what anybody else is doing, your faith, your hope, your love is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And with every storm that comes your way, with every trial, with every battle, you're going to win and get the victory and get stronger and stronger and stronger. This is your responsibility. It's my responsibility. But together, we can encourage one another to get this way. We're certainly going to need it. And without further ado, I've got my two brothers with me. I'm going to bring them on the air today. And uh, I am sure with some of the things we're going to hear today, we're going to thank God that faith, hope, and love <laughs> are with us. So without further ado, let me bring onto the airwaves both Pastor Jeff Bass, Bass, Pastor Jeff Bass and Brother Don Huddle. Good morning, gentlemen, brothers. How are you today? God bless you. Good morning. Praise the Lord. Good morning. Hallelujah. Good morning. Praise the Lord. Good morning. Hallelujah. All right. Morning glories. Uh, who would like to begin today? It's Friday. It's been an incredible week. Who knows what tomorrow is going to bring? Um, you know, just let's have a conversation today. It's so good to have both of you on the air with us today. And uh, we just want to give you uh, opportunity, both of you, men of God, to share what God has uh, put in your hearts, uh, whether they be through articles, revelations, information. Um, so uh, who would like to begin? Why don't we begin with um, uh, whoever wants to go first? I hate making choices like that, but we do need to delegate. So let's move forward. Uh, Pastor Jeff, why don't we begin with you? What, what, do you what, what would you like to share with us this morning? Well, again, good morning to you, Pastor Vincent. Always a pleasure and, and an honor to be with you. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Uh, also to Brother Dunn, it's always great. I'm always informed, enlightened, and uh, educated when, I, when you're on. Uh, you bring such great revelation, and I thank God for that. Um, first article that I have is from the um, uh, Now the Begins, and it says, Sila Petra. They call it the Defend Act, and it's a 10-nation confederacy in the Middle East to protect Israel from a nuclear attack from Iran. And uh, it says, are you ready for a 10-nation confederacy in the Middle East centered around Israel? You better be because that's what is being proposed right now, right now and it's based on the Abraham Accords and involves Sila Petra. Are you awake yet? 
Then it says the Times of Israel reports that the White House has announced the dates for uh, Joe Biden's highly anticipated first trip to the Middle East, which will include stops in Israel, the West Bank, and Saudi Arabia from July 13th to July 16th. What will the United States be there to do? Then the article says, glad you asked. And then it gives a scripture. It says, they have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. For they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee, Psalms 83. Since Biden's visit to Israel will focus on the Jewish state's increasing integration into the region through the Abraham Accords, normalization agreements, Jerusalem signed with the UAE, Bahrain, and Morocco through the strengthening of Israel's ties with Israel and Egypt and through the creation of a new forum established by the Biden administration that includes the U.S., the UAE, Israel, and India. And they're going to they're gonna call that pact but between those countries are the four, US, uh, the U.S., UAE, Israel, and India, and India, the I2U2, I2, that's the number two, U2. So what are we talking about here? It says only a 10-nation confederacy, nine Arab nations, and Israel, based on the Abraham Accords, all coming together to create a, a what they call a Middle East, NATO-style organization that puts you smack in the smack dab in the middle of the Book of Daniel. That's all. Who's the first? That's all. Who's the first Arab nation willing to join? It says Jordan. What is Jordan called in the Bible? And they say Edom and Moab. What's in Edom and Moab? Why it's Selah Petra. Now, do you see how close we really are? The nine Arab nations are Saudi Arabia. UAE, Bahrain, Kuwait, Oman, uh, Qatar, or Qatar, Egypt, Iraq, and Jordan. Add Israel, and that brings you to 10. Hmm, I wonder what Mohammed bin Zayed and Emmanuel Macron think of all this progress. I, I imagine we will be finding out that answer soon and very soon. Hmm. You know, my God, uh, just before, Don, you speak into that, um, I, I, if Patricia could back this up, and I, I guess this is a good time to lay it out there. Um, I had three dreams last night. I was dreaming all night last night, and one of the dreams was so profound. It was an 8.1 earthquake in Palestine. And I don't know what that means, but you're, now you're talking about a Middle Eastern trip from uh, from the Biden administration. Um, an 8.1 earthquake hit Palestine, um, and I'm not sure how that relates to what you just said, but I wanted to throw that out there. Don, uh, Middle Eastern uh, war, it seems, alliances, allegiances, what are your thoughts? I don't know. I have a tendency to watch Turkey. Turkey's doing a lot of uh, a lot of things uh, behind the scenes, just overtly. And uh, Turkey uh, wants to be the big player in that on, on the scene there. Uh, I can see that confederation building, like uh, Pastor Bass said. But I have a tendency lately to watch Turkey. Um, and Syria. 
Syria seems to be uh, a player too, uh, especially for Russia in that area. So that's about all I have to say about that. Yeah, yeah. So, Pastor Jeff, when you were reading that article, if you were to put that into uh, just our language, how what do you actually what is that commentary describing? Well, to me, I also read another article from somewhere. It escapes me right now, but it was saying that from America's point of view or Biden's point of view, he wants to, no pun intended, Trump, Trump with the with the with the Trump uh, with the Abraham Accords. So he wants to kind of use this uh, uh, confederation. And remember, I, I read in there where it says the I two U two or whatever. So he wants to this. He wants to kind of, the article was saying, cement this as his legacy. Look what I did. Okay, Trump had the, uh, the Abrahamic Accords, but I'm doing this. And also uh, it was saying that the bottom line was to, to, to try to have the two-state or divide the land. When you said that about the, about the earthquake, I also you, uh, it, it, it brought back to my remembrance about, I think it was last week or whenever, whenever I was on before the last time, and I read to you and to everybody about those 10 examples of 10 times in American history where presidents or, or uh, representatives of our government have tried to divide the land in Israel, bad things happen. But I mean, whether it was uh, tornadoes, de- devastating tornadoes or hurricanes uh, or, or Katrina, whatever. So because as we know, that land shouldn't should not be divided. And uh, so that could be what you had to dream. I mean, it could happen something like that. An earthquake could happen here in America if that, ha- if that happens. And what I was reading in, 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 in my uh, readings, uh, which I won't read all of the articles because I didn't bring them, bring them to the table, but that kind of behind the scenes, that's what uh, Biden is going to be trying to do, to try to you know, negotiate moving forward with that. And as I said lastly, his history shows <laughs> that's not a good. That's not good. No, no, it's not good. Um, but it is Bible prophecy. You know, it's funny. This week we were hearing a lot about Turkey is ready to go to war with Iran, and then uh, Israel is going to side with Turkey. And then uh, when Turkey takes out Iran, then they're going to turn to the Holy Land and they're going to come against Israel. So there's a lot of biblical, Daniel chapter 8 seems to be the chapter where that all happens. So there's a lot of biblicity around what's going on in the Middle East right now. And there's always been movement, uh, but let's see if there's not an acceleration in all of that. And then the formation of this, uh, you know, these 10 hordes of power that are developing. Uh, Just real quick, shifting over, Don, the last time you were on the air, you were talking about, you know, days, maybe weeks uh, away from acceleration with Russia uh, with Putin, uh, where, have you seen any development in that at this point, or, or is it kind of stagnant? Where, what's happening with that, from your understanding? Well, someone told me yesterday we have. Uh, I it was, uh, figure it was hard for me to believe, but we have a buildup of a hundred thousand troops in that area right now. Our country does. Uh, I know that we're the lion's share of NATO. As far as resources, um, there's no doubt in my mind Biden would commit a force like that. 
but it's like they're staying secret about our movements over about as far as the United States. The only thing I do know is our people are positioned in Poland, and they have been all along. And we've had people in Ukraine uh, teaching the Azov uh, Nazi soldiers, teaching them uh, combat tactics. So it's kind of, our our they, they seem to want to enshroud our part in this in mystery. But the other countries there, they're being very over about what they're doing. It appears that right now the siege of Kaliningrad by Lithuania is going to be the fuse that lights um, nuclear war in that area. Um, Belarus, they're playing a big part. They're right there. They're a big ally of Russia. Russia just sent nuclear weapons to Belarus to be used uh, tactically on the battlefield. So uh, it, it appears that NATO has picked Lithuania as where they want to, where they want all this to happen at. Uh, the history of that is Lithuania is a country, a small country between Germany and Poland. And there is a Russian rail system that runs through Lithuania. And when Lithuania uh, showed Russia they wanted to join NATO, the only condition that Russia had for Lithuania was you don't touch our railroad. You don't tax it. You don't molest it. You don't inspect it. Let it go through to supply Kaliningrad which is uh, a Russian territory, uh, basically removed from Russia, kind of like Alaska is from the United States. But nevertheless, it was given to them after the Second World War. So the biggest thing in, in Kaliningrad, it's a seaport, and the Russian black fleet is there. Russia does not want that uh, lifeline railroad molested in any way. Well, Lithuania, Lithuania decided they were going to start blockading it uh, based on sanctions against Russia. And when Russia complained in writing, saying, look, uh, if you do that, we're going to have to break your blockade militarily. And Lithuania said, well, we're a NATO country. And if you attack us, then we have all of our NATO brothers. 30 other countries are going to come against you. And uh, we're, we're blockading it because the European Union told us to, which is basically NATO. So NATO has picked the place to actually take, go against Russia militarily uh, when Putin warned them immediately, uh, and the other the other day, Saturday night, uh, Putin was rushed to the Kremlin at about 11 o'clock at night from his residence. And the reason that he was rushed there is it was discovered that Lithuanian soldiers were discovered fighting Russian soldiers in Ukraine. 
Well, NATO's a Russian, I'm sorry, NATO is, Lithuania is a NATO country. And over 100 of their soldiers were engaged with Russian troops. Some of them were captured. They were, they were overtaken. And once that breach was committed where NATO engaged Russia militarily on the ground, that was the game changer. Because Putin stated, if a NATO country attacks us anywhere in Ukraine, or engages in direct combat, then we're going to nuclear war. Uh, the assumption on Putin's part would be, well, if we attack a NATO country, then you're immediately, immediately going to go to Article 5, which all the other countries, NATO countries, will come against us. So Saturday night, they were in conference about that very thing, what are we going to do now that NATO has engaged us on the ground in Ukraine? And the following day, Sunday, NATO announced that they're up in the ready reaction forces from 40,000 men to over 300,000 men. Fast reaction forces, which means they can immediately respond. And they're shipping these guys wherever they're from all these other countries, and I'm sure the United States, because we're the lion's share of it, to the Russian border and the countries surrounding them. Lithuania is a big staging area now. Poland. Everything surrounding Russia so that they can invade Russia immediately and do basically what the Russia, what Russia did to the Ukraine. But it won't be surgical. It will be a mass strike. And there will be nuclear weapons involved. Uh, I'm sure tactical weapons, tactical nukes, which are basically, basically they're a suitcase nuke, but they're fired by artillery. And I'm sure missiles will be involved. So at any time, I, I, I estimate it's going to take about two weeks to get all those troops in place. I imagine them, a lot of them are in place right now. And our troops, we don't know where they're at. We know they were in Poland, but I'm sure they're being funneled in there right now. I haven't heard anything about, um, uh, at least not internationally, I haven't heard anything about uh, U.S. troops being moved in large mass. Uh, internally, they are. I had a, a brother uh, uh, from from the church here. Uh, he called me and told me that he had information because he's on the road a lot. He's a trucker. I know he don't like me using his name. But uh, he has intelligence that there's a large amount of American troops being moved to Oregon and the West Coast up into Canada. Uh, that would obviously be to, to counter the Chinese troops that Trudeau has been bringing into Canada and stationing them there. And admittedly so, he's been doing that. We have no idea of their strength up there right now. And Trudeau is basically loves uh, China and everything about communist red China. So he's allowing them, allowing them to put their troops there, uh, obviously, to attack us. And for some reason, Trudeau thinks they won't come after him after they get us. But that's, that's his thing. Yeah. So um, the point of telling this, this fuse, that's being lit right now in Europe is centered right there at Lithuania and that blockade of Kaliningrad. 
that by all appearances will be the flashpoint that begins World War III because Russia has told Lithuania in writing, remove the blockade, stop strangling Kaliningrad, or we're going to break it militarily. Well, that would be an attack on, on a NATO country. And that's what NATO is gearing up for. That's why they're bringing all their 300,000 troops in. They're going to enact Article 5. Actually, they did when they did that. They actually did enact uh, Article 5, but they haven't said it. But they've done it physically. So uh, at any point, Russia will attack that blockade of Kaliningrad, break it, and when that happens, then you'll have all-out war. Um, so that's where we're at. And, and yeah. uh, they said, uh, uh, Lithuania said that, uh, well, yeah, Lithuania says that uh, they're going to completely block Kaliningrad on July 10th. So uh, at that point, that entire area will be completely cut off except maybe by sea uh, for supplies and food. And also, I think it was in that area, too, that uh, there's uh, food supplies being cut off to uh, Russian miners in that area from some of these other, like Norway and things like that. So they're all coming against uh, Russia, and they're doing everything to get her fight. Kaliningrad, Kaliningrad will be where it begins. Okay. And by the, I'm sure we're not going to get through the um, month of July before you see a major conflict in that area and consequently nuclear weapons because you get 300,000 troops now coming against Russia that can invade at any time once they're in place. Yeah, so Jim says this, uh, Don, on the, on the uh, chat room. My fear is that once NATO places their forces on the front, Putin will use low-yield nukes to destroy multiple targets in minutes and change the whole battlefield and also change the method of war itself. Uh, Pastor Jeff, just real quick, getting back to uh, your thoughts about what you just heard and, and whatever else you're going to share, um, uh, Don and, and Pastor Jeff, it's, it's kind of clear to me, and I, I think it would be clear to both of you, that um, while all this war and rumors of war are taking place uh, around the world, uh, it doesn't it seem pretty obvious that right here in the United States that the Russian agents, the Islamic agents, the sleeper cells, the terror cells, uh, that they have been planting, uh, you know, their weapons of mass destruction in cities throughout this nation for quite some time and are ready to detonate as well. Pastor Jeff, take that thought and uh, whatever else you'd like to share or comment on what Don just shared. Well, you know, I mean, I can't really speak to um, uh, with expertise toward what Dunn said. I, I mean, I receive it. I, I definitely believe, you know, everything he said from that perspective. I, I, I would just add that I agree, but I think there's, you know, it, it's all out war. I mean, and when you're fighting a war, you know, I was in the military, of course, too, you know, in, in, in the Army. But, you know, when you're in a – I didn't fight in a war because I was uh, post – Vietnam, but I do, I do know that, you, of course, you have your various Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, and so forth, and you got, you know, you're fighting on the ground and the air and everything, and I, and I kind of, you know, uh, use a comparison with what's going on. It's just an attack, and 
that's part of it, the, you know, the nuclear war piece and, and, and what's going on there, you know, uh, foreign, but also what you just said is you, you, you were uh, following up on that and throwing it to me. There's also, I believe, you know, of course, the war that's going on here internally. And I've been saying what you said about all these other entities. I think I've been saying for, for, for a while now that I think that we're, we're so concerned about what's going on internationally, but sometimes we overlook, uh, for lack of a better term, the Trojan horse that's here. You know the, you know the the enemy within, so to speak. You know all all those entities, like you said, whether it's the cartels, whether it's uh, uh, foreign enemies that are already on uh, outside of our borders, uh, whether it's uh, Islamic or whatever. You know, I just think that's that powder keg is about ready to explode, um, and and and. and my concern is to just make sure that we, the people, n- are aware of what's going on because you're not going to get it in the mainstream media. And, and we who do know that via the Holy Spirit has shown us or, other, uh, or, or, or through other information, we don't need to sit on it. We need to let people know so they can not only be aware, but that they can pray. Amen. Amen to that. And, and prayer is everything. And as we're talking about these things, there's, there's one thing we can all agree on, 1,000%, 1 billion percent. This is what Jesus said was going to be happening uh, prior to his return. He said that there would be wars. There would be rumors of wars. He said there would be deception. He said there would be famine and earthquakes and all these things happening around the world at the same time, a global shaking would take place around the world. And we have been in that global shaking for quite some time now. I believe since 9-11-2001, uh, the last 20 years, uh, 21 years coming up here in September, we have been involved in this. We have seen the final generation in the beginning of sorrows and everything, including the deception all over the world through modern media and propaganda and all these tools. So every true believer should right now be perking up and waking up. And we heard that cry again and again and again. So perking up, waking up, the wars, the rumors of wars, all these things, the righteous judgment of God upon a nation, a Judeo-Christian nation, because it's abandoned, not only abandoned the Lord, but fought against the Lord. Thank God today is July 1st. We just went through 30 days of uh, homosexual parades and, and LGBTQ community stuff and little children lining up on the streets, being uh, exposed to some of the most graphic evil uh, to, you can imagine. So our sick world, and now we're hearing it just it won't go away, $200 a barrel for oil, but very soon the American people on average are going to be spending $8, $9, $10 a gallon for their gasoline, no diesel fuel. Why don't you men just speak into that? And, and Donald, again, go with you. Are we not living biblically in the signs of the times? And isn't this the time for the church to really wake up and watch and pray? Uh, now more than ever. I mean, that's the only chance that the uh, the church has. The American people, I don't believe that they have a, uh, they have much hope 
they're going to be overwhelmed. Right now, the American people are in a state of siege by foreign powers and domestic enemies. And it's every intention of those enemies to destroy the United States as far as their system and bring them under a Marxist form of government that will rule with the iron fist. There won't be any such thing as human rights anymore. They'll be gone. You have the right to obey the state or you'll be eliminated very quickly or they'll put you in some gulag mining coal or something. But uh, you cannot rebel against that system in any way because they'll kill you. And uh, as, as just a matter of course. So uh, the United States being in a state of siege, uh, it's only a question now of how, what the American people will do when they wake up. Now, if you're non-Christian or if you're a pretend Christian, uh, basically you're going to lose your mind. You're going to become a part of the problem. Uh, <clears throat> you're going to uh, walk away from the faith. You're not going to pray. You're going to blame it on God, even though you have scripture in front of you. Inevitably, when you're suffering, you'll blame it on God because he's not turning off the suffering. So you're not being a mature Christian. Uh, you're basically being an infidel when you do that. So you have all these, uh, I guess we could call them weak Christians, they're going to walk away from the faith, and they're going to join the Antichrist system, and they'll actually be used to hunt and persecute the real Christian church, the body of Christ. <laughs> so the body of Christ, they need to pray for the body of Christ uh, and for each other. And they need to practice uh, Psalms 91. And we talked about the power of that. Um, we talked about that, how it has protected people uh, throughout time, especially uh, the American people. Psalm 91 has been used in war. It's been used by its army to uh, uh, stop casualties from occurring in their units. It's a very powerful word of God. That needs to be practiced and believed. I, you know what? I, I made up my mind the other day that I'm going to say Psalm 91 every day, but I'm, I, as each sentence occurs, I'm going to reflect and meditate on that. I'm going to take that into my spirit because that's going to be your shield and uh, your protector and uh, <clears throat> your power. Um, actually, in the, the Army, they call so, uh, Psalm 91 the soldier's prayer. I thought that was interesting. I found that out. <clears throat> so, yeah, uh, body, body of Christ has to pray for one another. Uh, they have to pray for themselves. They have to pray for protection and provision because uh, that's going to be attacked dramatically. And uh, you're going to have to go back to being an Old Testament Christian, you know, not an American Christian per se, but an Old Testament Christian where the power is at. Go do the old things, the things that, that the power of God is there, the basics, the first things. And then uh, <clears throat> just trust Jesus and be under God's wing and hang on, buddy, because it's going to be a rough ride. 
For sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> For sure. So, uh, uh, Pastor Jeff, two hundred gallons, uh, two hundred dollars for a, a barrel of oil, ten dollars a gallon for car. You have a fourteen gallon vehicle. It's one hundred and fifty bucks uh, to fill it up. Uh, food shortages. The trucks are shutting down. There's no food getting to the supermarket on the corner. Uh, what kind of an environment is actually being created right now? Uh, and, and how does the church actually prepare to respond to such a thing? Well, I think, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. I think, you know, exactly what uh, uh, Brother Dunn was saying. You know, we have, to, we have to get back to the basics. We have to, you know, I think as far as being a pastor, you know, I think we've got to do a better job. Or if you're doing the job, continue to do what you're doing. But for those who aren't, you have to be informed. You have to know what's going on. And then we have to teach the people and, and explain to them that our hope is not in man. Our trust is not in man. And I, I was talking to someone the other day, and I think the problem, one of the problems is we become more concerned about the culture than we have about Christ. We, we, we become a, a, a nation of people, even, and I'm specifically the body of Christ. It's about the culture over uh, Christ. And, 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 and what I simply mean by that is what's going on. I, I do believe this type of platform is great, what we're doing, because we're informing the people uh, and the body of what's actually happening as opposed to what the world is saying is happening. But then I think we have to uh, uh, teach the people because they've become so caught up over the, over the last so many years of trying to solve a problem, to me, that can only be solved from a spiritual nature as opposed to a natural nature. Okay, I'm expecting this person to ride in on the white horse and save us. You know, I'm expecting Superman to fly in and save us or, or some superhero. That's just not going to happen. You know, you've been saying and teaching about the judgment on America. I mean, for, you know, for the sins and so forth, there's consequences. You know, it, it, it's going to happen. But on the other hand, you know, as I told our congregation and everyone I know, fear not. If you, you know, I, uh, I think the title of your uh, teaching when I went online today or, or the title of this whole uh, dialogue is He Who Endures to the End. You know, so... You know, you know, the true Christians are going to have to stand. When I when I say true, I mean those who are willing to endure to the end. I, I was I was reading something the other day, uh, well, a couple of days ago, and a professed Christian tweeted out, and he was he was addressing um, the Roe versus Wade, and he basically, you know, said I'm a Christian and so forth, but his point was. Uh, ladies, first I want to apologize to all the women in the world, you know, for 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 the ruling and everything like that. And he said, God's greatest gift to man is choice. And I kind of like went, what? I'm saying, you know, I don't know this uh, guy. He's a famous football player, or whatever. So I've never spoken to him, or whatever. But in my spirit, the Holy Spirit immediately said, what? You know. To me, God's greatest gift, of course, salvation. But it's God. But but it, that's through Jesus. God's greatest gift to me 
Now, I, we, you know, you may have, you have a different perspective or whatever, but I, I, I do believe neither one of us is going to say choice. God gave us a choice, but his greatest gift in that statement that this Christian athlete who was addressing the situation said, to me, he missed the point. And he, then he used scripture. He used, uh, I think it was in Luke, but, but, but it says, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So it, it, to me, you've got Christians taking scripture out of context to an issue that God opposes. So it goes back to like I was saying, like what Brother Don was saying, and I agree. You know, <laughs> that's a bad situation right there. So somebody has to to teach, uh, uh, you know, rightly divide the word of truth and then give people hope. You know, you got to know the word. So in these times, answer your question about the $200 uh, barrels of oil and uh, $100 to fill up your tank. It all ties together because exactly what Brother Dunn said about provision and protection, I give God the glory, but I've been saying that for six months now at least, you know, and sharing with our congregation. In these times that we're in, you can't look to a politician. I'm not saying no vote or whatever, but they're not, they're not the solution. It's Jesus. You know, we got to call on the name of Jesus. We got to trust Jesus. We got to believe that he is going to provide and he is going to protect. And then as the pastors, we got to give them uh, 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 solutions from the Bible, not what I think, not my philosophy. What does the word say? If the Bible says uh, 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 he's God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, let's go back to the Old Testament and show them what God did then. Let's show them New Testament, perhaps, what God did then. So if he did it twice, he'll do it now. So, yeah. but you got to trust him. You got to connect with him. You got to remain in him. You got to abide in him. John chapter fifteen. And we, you know, really, and that's where you know that uh, my wife and I are relocating, and that's where our ministry is going to be going. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to build a, a thousand member church, but the ones that God gives me, and the ones who really want to go deeper in the Word, who really want to know the truth of God, we've got to give them. Give them. Uh, uh, take what's going on actually in the world today and show them what 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 are the biblical solution? What is the biblical answer for where where we are today? Amen. That's awesome. Yeah, isn't that a good word, Don? Um, you know, if, before we get off the air, you need to let people know eventually, Pastor Jeff, where you're going to be because you're a ministry that can be trusted because you do understand what's going on, and the idea of your equipping isn't just to make people feel good. It's to make them ready for the battle and for the uh, what we have to walk through to be able to endure through the time. So that's going to be very important. Don, what are your thoughts and comments about what you just heard? <clears throat> well, you know, Pastor ba- uh, Bass, uh, he nailed it uh, right down to brass tacks. You know, that's where we need to be. We need to be basically correct in what we believe according to Scripture, mm-hmm. not twist it not take out of context. Context is very important in Scripture. Um, and you have to, to study and meditate on the word context to get that understanding. Discipleship is very important. And I think Pastor Bass is talking about discipleship. 
And um, we all should be discipling somebody all the time. Just what, you know, they all saying it takes one to win one. That's very true. And especially true in the body of Christ. You disciple one person for the Lord. Think about the fruit that's going to come off that tree if he disciples and then that person disciples. I mean, it could be amazing. That's how. That's the strength of the gospel right there, how it spread person to person and then community to community and city to city and country to country. And it spreads very quickly because it's so powerful and true. Amen. Amen. Very good. Uh, we have a call coming in. They've been waiting for a while. I want to take this call. Maybe they have a question or comment for both of you. So let's take the call, 479-321. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Do you have a question or a comment? Hello, 479-321. Okay. So what happens, they get behind schedule on, on, on the Internet, and so it takes time for them to know that they're there. So um, I, I, I'm tempted to do this, Don and uh, uh, Pastor Jeff. I, I started the week with a conversation that uh, really blew up in a good way. I mean, it really triggered a lot of thinking. I want to get into that. But before I shift, uh, Pastor Jeff, did you have another article you wanted to share before we move forward? Well, the, uh, I had a couple, but they kind of tie in. One, one of the things I wanted to say was that last Friday, I think you, you – I'm almost sure you had, you had Brother Don on – and I was listening, and um, when I when I uh, because I, I I tuned in right when you were saying you were talking to him, but but you said uh, by the way I have some breaking news that uh, the Roe versus Wade had been you know overturned, and uh, as you were saying that, and then you went back into your conversation with Brother Dub, but I sat there at, at my desk listening and watching, and I wrote down because that was June twenty fourth of 2022 and the uh the holy spirit just i i, I just because i'm you know i'm really into numbers anyway like you know five the number of grace and so forth and stuff like that and you know three to trinity and so forth so i i but i looked june and it, it was like he said june is of course the sixth month and the 24th two plus four is six and 2022 Two plus zero plus two plus two is six. There it is. It and it's like six six six. So I had this article to come. So I, you know, but I and I was about to to text you that, but I was listening. I said, man, come, you know, my flesh took over. I'm not gonna send him what I thought about that or whatever or, or what the Holy Spirit just showed me. But then I got I, I came across this article yesterday. And I've heard of this young lady named Mina Lee Greben, G-R-E-B-E-N, Christian. Uh, she's been in ministry about 16 years or more. But her article was entitled, They're Preparing Us for Civil War. And she says, quickly, over the past several days, I've been asked by many, what are my thoughts on the overturning of Roe versus Wade that took place on Friday, June 24, 22? Although we've seen many Christians celebrate this day as a victory, and I don't want to take away from the positive that will come from this ruling, I couldn't help but wonder what were they really up to. First, I want to remind everyone that the plan, that the plan to overturn Roe versus Wade was leaked. 
although I don't believe in such a thing, on May 3rd and pretty much let everyone know what was coming down the pike, so to speak. So the announcement on June 24th was of no surprise on my end. Even CNN stated that the Biden administration had been preparing for, quote, months for the overturning and anticipated protest riots and violence. But I want to expand your thinking for a minute. Throughout my 15 years of ministry, I found that most Christians are narrow-minded and therefore have a limited view of the bigger picture. Over the years, I've constantly reiterated the importance of relying on the Holy Spirit for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, as well as building a solid relationship with Yeshua, Jesus Christ, so that one would know his voice for themselves. And then she says, in Genesis 114, it reads, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. Let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And then she goes on to, uh, to kind of uh, uh, move move forward and explain the Hebrew words for signs is a distinguishing mark. And she explains about uh, the, uh, having a Jewish lineage. I believe God is a great mathematician. He's sovereign, meaning he owns everything. But I also want to remind you that Satan was created by Elohim, and although he is destined to the lake of fire, we must not forget that he is a supernatural creature of high intelligence who executes his will through the wickedness of mankind. And because we are at the very tail end of the dispensation of grace, biblical prophecy must be fulfilled, and mankind can't change that which was written before the foundations of the world. One of my sisters in the Lord asked me, what did I think the overturning of Roe versus Wade meant. My response was, they're preparing us for civil war. For almost a year, I've been following numerous news articles with the caption, Civil War. Throughout the months, many politicians, military leadership, and other political figureheads have warned of an upcoming second civil war in America. I even shared on a Christian program I was a guest on, on how the Canadian parliament or government is preparing for the total collapse of the American democracy by the end of 2024, which is also an election year. I want to also remind you that America is at the tail end. Where I just dropped, I just dropped my paper. Hold on. America is at the tail end of the seven-year countdown from the last total solar eclipse that occurred on August 21, 2017, of which I posted a video during the eclipse where I warned that America was under judgment and not a reprieve, and that the Lord had shown me that a pandemic was coming. The next total solar eclipse is set for April 8, 2024, and ironically, path that the eclipse travels paired with the path of the previous one in 2017 forms a perfect X across the U.S. In the Hebrew alphabet, X is the symbol for the letter Tav, the 22nd and last letter of the alphabet signaling the end. While a total lunar eclipse is an omen of judgment or trouble for Israel, a total solar eclipse is an omen for the Gentile nation. Now I want to note a couple of significant things that took place on the day of the SCOTUS, Supreme Court of the United States, ruling. First, I want to mention that the day of the overturn happened on June 24, 2022. And again, I say for, for, for reference, I hadn't read this. The story I told you about what happened last Friday, I, I knew nothing about this lady and this article, she says, June, the sixth month, 24th day, 2 plus 4 equals 6. 2022, 2 plus 0 plus 2 plus 2 equals 6. What does that come to? 666. 
Perhaps I could even add that this ruling took place on a Friday, which is the sixth day. We all know that biblically six is the number of man, but it's also an important number in the occult. The power of man becoming his own little G-O-D is the basis of the satanic term, do what thou wilt. The second, and I think the most important occurrence, happened during the wee hours of that morning last Friday, and it was found in the sky just before dawn. On the morning of June 24th, there was a rare planetary alignment of Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. These five planets perfectly lined up with a crescent moon, O, and five planets plus a moon equals six, by the way. In addition to this stunning event, the Jerusalem Post added that this rare occurrence had not happened since 1864 and would not occur again until 2040. So, being the research guru that I am, I'm, not, I'm almost finished here. He says, and understanding that God's purpose of these occurrences were omens, I wanted to know what was the significance of 1864. Well, in 1864, two very important events were occurring. The American Civil War and Prussia, now Russia's war with Western Europe. Wow. So the question is, <laughs> the question is, she concludes, was this all planned? My answer is yes. I believe this event was ordained by the Lord, and yes, some good wow. will come from it. But <laughs> Satan is the God of this world, and as his time draws near, his plans must be executed. Thus, my conclusion is that the government planned this overturning. It was no accident. The Lord spoke to my heart and told me we must stand in the gap, pray for the babies and unborn like we never have before. A wicked spirit of spite will rise up in the daughters of Jezebel. And although abortion will be totally banned in some states, while others have already approved abortion up until the ninth month, the spirit of Molech will still require its sacrifices, and we will begin to hear of grotesque killings of newborns for the sake of merely making a point. And then she says, and the children of Issachar had understanding of the times, First Chronicles 12, 20, 32, as the world as we've known it draws to a close, we believers must make sure we are rooted in that which is unshakable, as everything around us must be shaken, as with all things, take this to prayer. Shalom. Shalom, brother. Mina Lee Grievance. Wow. That's absolutely amazing. I, I wonder if everybody really connected the dot there and heard that in 1864, that date that came up, I mean, you had the Civil War in America That's right. and Russia going to war with European countries. That's exactly what's happening right now. That's phenomenal. You know, we heard some of that information. Don, what do you think about that? Just kind of, kind of make your head rattle, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. When was that written? Can, can you tell me? Uh, she wrote it on June 28th uh, of, of this year. Wow. June 28th, two yeah, days ago. Yeah. She sure connected the dots on that one. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. So, Pastor Jeff, you came up with the uh, the June 24th being the 666, and then you read her article, and she confirmed what you had already thought about. Is that correct? Yes, sir. And that's what, like I said, uh, again, you know, I'm, uh, I take no honor, no glory. I always stay no, humble before the Lord. But uh, God encourages me that when I hear from him to, you know, don't, don't be alarmed or whatever, 
when I when I when I hear from him because I, like I said, uh, I had to repent because I said, Lord, you you know you you were kind of leading me to share this with Pastor Vincent, but I didn't do it. You know, okay. because I like I said about the part I said about my flesh, I said, Ah oh, man, come on, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, put in this uh, in the chat. This, you know, what God just showed me, 666, because it may not be God. It might just be me, but it wasn't yeah. me. <laughs> it wasn't you, so, and it was confirmed. I got to be obedient. And, yeah, absolutely, and you, and it was perfect for today. But, you know, this, this kind of segues perfectly into the next uh, thought that I have. Um, you know, we've been talking about this particular issue. We've had different thoughts. It would be a crime not to have uh, both of you weigh in on this. Um Civil war on the way, no doubt about it. Violence, like the days of Noah, the earth was filled with Hamas. That's the Hebrew word for violence. Uh, Hamas is a terror group in the Middle East. Um, violence is, is, is all around us. We're hearing things, men chopping women's heads off, you know, right here in America. A woman, 20-year-old, rolling a baby down in a stroller. Guy comes up, shoots her in the head. Uh, you know, just random violence, violence. Our borders are being, you know, the invasion. Uh, I guess the Supreme Court ruled yesterday that uh, stay in Mexico law under Trump is now gone. Uh, we have a massive influx of people coming, Ill illegal aliens from the, uh, the southern border. So violence is going to become a reality. I mean, this violence is growing. Civil war is coming. We happen to be living in America at this time, targeted for destruction because we've sinned grievously against the Lord. So it gets back down to this uh, conversation about should Christians carry guns? Um, the, the nation desires, the people in this country that are in Washington, D.C., they desire to disarm the citizenry of the United States. They're using all these methods. They're using all these shootings, these gun shootings, um, of violence uh, to try to make their point. They always do. So the question comes down, should biblically, we're looking for biblical examples, and I've got my own belief, which at the end of this conversation I may or may not share, um, but I think it's very valid. But uh, to you both, uh, Pastor Jeff and Brother Don, and Don, I'll start with you on the issue of gun control. Should Christians be preparing? Are they, are, are they permitted by God in the scriptures to carry and uh, bear arms to defend themselves and to uh, go through this time of civil war in order to uh, survive. Your thoughts? Well, I think you have to ask yourself a question uh, first as Christians. Is self-defense a godly concept? Yes or no? You have to settle that. Personally, I think it is. Um, God himself is a warrior. There's no doubt about that. A angel with a drawn sword guards the tree of life, and he does to this day. So I could go, I could go on with those instances, but um, the modern sword is the firearm. They didn't have swords back in biblical. They didn't have firearms back in biblical times. So let's deal with the modern sword. Uh, there's many instances of. I know as a policeman, I was listening to uh, to uh, Bryant uh, Gray the other day, uh, yesterday I think it was, and uh, simplified Bryant. I, I hope you're listening. Uh, he stated that 
uh, he was trained as a Marine to kill. And uh, I perfectly understand that because I was trained militarily to also do the same thing. And the reason that you kill as a soldier is so that that soldier, that you, the opposing soldier, is neutralized and you won't meet him again on the battlefield and neither will any of your brothers. So he has to be killed so he can't recover and come back to the battlefield because he is a soldier. Now, as a policeman, when I was trained as a policeman, <clears throat> we weren't trained to kill. It was frowned upon if you killed. You were trained to stop with the firing. And uh, when, I, when I first became a policeman, if a person committed a felony or you thought he had and could articulate that and he fled, you could shoot him. But you were, you were expected to wound him if you could. Now, see, now that's all changed, you know. Uh, and I saw it changing. I saw it becoming, uh, and the reason for it is, well, you got to make sure he's dead so that you don't get sued and you don't have, a, a, you know, dead men tell no tales and all that. But I really realized that uh, last year, I was working as a security guard for a hospital, and they make us train every year with the police department and get a certification for handgun. Uh, it's required by the Indiana Law Enforcement Academy. So we had we had to go to a police department. <clears throat> they had uh, range masters, as they call them, and they set up targets, and we had to fire uh, 30 bullets at uh, different, almost point blank, then five yards, then uh, about 40 feet. And uh, we were expected to very quickly place those bullets in the middle of the target, basically uh, the size of a man's heart. And if you didn't put them all in that target, in very quickly in a, a a timed amount of time, and you put one outside that area, it wasn't counted, and you failed the course. And uh, I was shocked. And I asked the range master, I said, why do we have to kill? He said, well, that's the way that we do it now. You, you have to kill. You have to make sure that person is dead. If you're going to use your gun... You have to make sure they're dead. I said, can't you see the problem with that? You know, if you got a guy five feet away from you and you have to stop him, he's coming at you with uh, an axe or a knife or, you know, even a handgun, if you can, wouldn't it be better to wound him as opposed to, to uh, just make sure he's dead before he hits the ground? And the guy looked at me and, like, well, you're an, you're an antique. You're a dinosaur. He didn't say anything. I said, I'm telling you right now, this is why you guys have the problems that you have, because you're going out on the street. You use your guns not to stop crime. You use it to execute people and make sure they're dead. And some of you guys are looking forward to that. I know that. So this is why people hate the police. You're not an executioner. You're supposed to be a peacemaker who consequently, periodically, has to use his gun. That's the problem here. Uh, if you display a gun, 
probably half the time you're not going to have to use it, especially if it was concealed to begin with. Let me give you an example of that. I had a guy try to come into my house about 15 years ago. Uh, My dog barked. I was laying down at the time. Uh, My dog never barks, the dog I had then. And uh, so I got up, I looked, and it was about 11 o'clock at night. night. My wife was in the shower. And I can't see anyone. But I knew the dog barked for a reason. So I looked out the bay window to the corner, and I didn't see anything at all. So I come back to the steps, and I looked, and I saw a shadow press right up against my storm door. And I thought, that's a man. He's a big guy. So I went and got out my 10-millimeter uh, Glock. I chambered it up. I come down the stairs. I had it to my side underneath my leg. I opened the inside door, and the storm, I always like my storm because if someone tries to break in, they have to yank that storm, and that makes a big noise, and you get a, you get a, a heads up. So anyway, I opened the inside door, and this guy's standing there, big guy, about 35 years old maybe, glaring at me, and he's got his hand inside of his uh, coat. My dog's barking. So anyway, uh, we're just glaring eye to eye. He's not saying a word. So uh, I thought, well, uh, I got the drop here. He doesn't know I have a gun. And uh, I think he's got one. He's got his hand inside of a parka. So I thought, I'll just open the door because he's not going to talk. So when I cracked that storm, man, he comes barreling in the house. He's got one foot across the threshold. I raise the Glock, and I tell him, stop. Now, my intention, if he didn't stop, I was going to probably put three or four bullets in him. But he stopped, and he jumped back through that door like the devil himself was after him. He fell outside. I come in behind him, and he starts begging me not to kill him. Now, what was his intention? He was going to invade my home and maybe kill me. So we had a little talk. I didn't hurt him or anything like that. And uh, I knew I let him go because it takes 25 minutes to get the police out here. I let him go, and I told him, don't ever come back. And he goes, I I will never come back here. But what did he do? He went into the subdivision. I went, oh, man, I made a mistake. I said, tried to hold him. But I didn't want to shoot him. I didn't have to shoot him. I knew I didn't have to shoot him, but if he would have if he would have kept coming a heartbeat later, he'd have been a dead man. So the point of the telling is this a weapon can be used as a deterrent as well as to actually shoot someone. And consequently, uh most people that get shot, they don't die. I, I, we have fifty sometimes people shot in Chicago every weekend. Probably only nine of them die instantly. Now, the rest of them, I mean, they're going to be in wheelchairs and suffer permanent injury and everything else. But just as an example, you don't necessarily die if you get shot. Most of the time, you don't die. And if you shoot someone in the leg, they could still die. They could they could bleed out from hitting a femoral artery or something. But self-defense is... It's not an evil thing. Now, there is such thing as an evil use of weapon and a good use of weapon. But if you're going to protect your home and your family and your loved ones, 
as an example, if I will let that guy get by me and disable me or bind me somehow, he could have got in and killed my wife. He could have he could have killed me. And it was intention. I could tell it was an intention to do something like that. But I didn't want to kill him. All I wanted to do was stop him. Now, and my brother, he was yelling at me later on. You should have killed him because he tried to get in the house. No, I didn't have to kill him. I didn't want to kill him. If he would have got killed, it's simply because he was committing a crime. He was trying to invade my home. And when I warned him, he kept coming. That's self-defense. It's not in my heart to, to kill someone. I mean, I, that's happened, but it never was in my intention to take someone's life. It's just basically a consequence of their actions uh, by what they wanted to do. So I think a Christian, if he has a home, if he has a family, uh, and there is evil lurking about and evil men, I think it's perfectly fine to have a handgun and to be ready to use it and use it well, but not necessarily use it just to display it if need. If if that extra heartbeat occurs where you have to use it, then so be it. But I'm, I'm telling you, most of the time, if you display a handgun in a self-defense type of situation, that other individual is armed. They don't want to go head-to-head uh, -head with a person with a gun because they can get killed just as easy as you. So it changes things. It changes things completely. So the question is, should uh, Christians be armed? Yes, they should be armed and ready to use that weapon. Uh, you can, if you carry it, you should carry it concealed. You shouldn't have be advertising to people that you have a gun. Uh, that's just prideful. There's no need for that. But be ready to use it nowadays because there's, it's a jungle out there, and there's wolves lurking around looking to make victims. And from my experience, most people that hate guns, once they become a victim, you know what happens? They don't hate guns anymore because they're plagued by the fact that if they would have had a gun, they wouldn't have got raped. They wouldn't have got beaten half to death, you know? Okay. So that's the, okay. that's the reality of the situation. You know, God has used me many times in arms to stop evil, and it was a godly thing that he did. Now, I was a, a, a soldier or a policeman. I know I was part of government. But then again, I just told you about a personal instance that happened in my own home where he, he used a, a firearm to prevent me from getting killed and actually uh, prevent him from getting killed, too. Because okay, uh, he John. still would have got killed. Yeah. Yeah, let me do this uh, just because we've got we've got six minutes left on the broadcast because we've got to we've got to do a hard stop at ten thirty. Uh, your answer is yes. I was laughing, I was giggling because while you're talking about the dogs barking, your dog started barking, and I just thought that was quite. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, what's going on out there, you know? Um, but anyways, Pastor Jeff, uh, give you just an opportunity to you know put your thoughts into this. We've got about six minutes left in the broadcast. Should Christians? Uh, bear arms because they have the right to do so, and is self-defense something that you advocate or not? Well, I heard the beginning of this, I think when you when you started, I guess it was Tuesday or Wednesday, you had a conversation with, I think, Brian and Kathy, 
and others. And, and um, you know, I said, man, I hadn't thought about that from from the perspective that they gave and, of course, you and everything. But I agree with uh, Brother Dunn. I mean, I guess the short answer for me is that for all the years, my wife and I, you know, we, 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 we never even, you know, had firearms or firearm or anything. And we have one son, but, you know, he's an adult now. Because, you know, we were concerned, you know, having a firearm in the in the home and stuff. But, uh, you know, we, you know, we, we, we've been trained and, uh, you know, you know, proper, the proper concealed and so forth. But, I, so I do believe that, you know, it's okay, you know, as far as to defend yourself. You know, we, uh, I, I agree, I, you know, you shouldn't go around you know, brandishing the gun and bragging and boasting and all of this stuff like that. But I think the, the article that I didn't get to, I won't read it, but I'll give you the headlines. This was from, this came out today, but last Friday, the United Nations, the UN, had a meeting. And it said, hell on earth, UN warns that the worst famine in history is now emerging. And the long and short of it, they met last Friday, and the general, uh, Secretary General Guterres warned of a global hunger crisis. And he mentioned the risk, the real risk of multiple famines being declared this year with even worse famines to be expected in 2023. So my whole point is, Back to the love your neighbor, you know, I believe when when these as these famines begin and everything, we should if we have food to share it with your neighbors, you know, love your neighbor, help them. But I think with all the stuff that's going on, how we talked about how they're orchestrating, you know, the division and all and, and the and and, and with, uh, with the food situation, which we didn't get into about how they're orchestrating, so so that they can force you know, the globalist agendas and so forth, I think that people are going to start doing crazy things and desperate things, maybe try to, you know, kick in doors to come into your house to get what they don't have because they think you perhaps do have it. So that's why I think uh, as Christians and everyone, we have a right to defend. You know, if you ask me for it, I'll share with you. But if you're just going to come in and overtake me and my wife and do things, I believe I have a right to to defend that. Amen. Okay. All right. Very, very bold answers, both sides. Uh, it's a big conversation. Uh, maybe next week I'll weigh in on it. I want to thank both of you, um, Pastor Jeff and Brother Don, for – I know it's not easy coming on and sharing the pulpit, but uh, the three of us together, uh, Brian and Kathy this week, Brother Daniel this week, uh, Jim actually uh, also was part of this, Bolt Meyer, uh, shared on the air this week. We had some really good conversations. Uh, I saw a couple more calls coming in, and uh, I, I'm going to have, if I don't do this, now Pastor Denny told me I shouldn't do this, but I don't get meatballs if I don't let this woman here, this beautiful woman, my beloved wife, Patricia, I don't know what she's going to say, though. Let me hear it real quick. Good morning, Patricia Joy. What are you going to say? Good morning. I am so excited. I have been trying my best to tell the multitude of those of us or those of you who want to take up arms that the greater sword has been given to us through Jesus Christ. 
and that spiritual warfare is available to us in the greatest manner and way that we have ever realized because Jesus said, what I do, you shall do also even greater things shall you do. And the believers shall cast out devils. And that is the sword he has given us in the spiritual realm of the kingdom. It is greater, more powerful than any other sword that is cardinal. Now, Don, you had told that man to go. And the reason you told him so is because the power of God was in you, and he couldn't go any further. What was the power he was of the totally Glock and completely, He was totally and completely surrendered. And he turned and he walked out. This right. is the warfare I'm talking about. We do not fight against flesh and blood, but every demon behind those human beings in high places do we fight. I have seen the same thing happen on a video when it was being viewed of a man walking into 7-Eleven trying to get money from the woman who knew how to cast out devils. And she said, in the name of Jesus Christ, and he had a gun right at her, leave. And he backed off. And she said, I told you in the name of Jesus Christ, leave turned around and walked out of the store. Very unhappy, but he walked out. Same thing happened to you, Don. The power of God was in you. You did not have to take up a gun and shoot him. And that's what Jesus Christ was saying when he told Peter to put down the sword. Amen. We have been empowered. Okay, bye. (laughs) No, (laughs) I'm so glad she heard you say that, Don. So praise the Lord, pass the ammunition. Um, spiritual weapons of our warfare are not carnal, mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I like the balance in the conversation. Hey, Brother Don, Pastor Jeff, thanks for joining me on the air today. We're going to continue the conversation. It should be a very intriguing weekend. I know we have a wedding that we're going to be performing this Monday for Blake and Callie, and that's going to be wonderful. So um, with all that's going on in the world today, keep your head up. Keep peering into the heavens. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Brothers, God bless you, and have a blessed weekend. And thanks for joining me on the air. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. All right, that's it for us. We've got to go, folks. And um, right now we just want to make mention, if you would like to support the ministry financially, this is the way to do it. You can give a gift or send a gift to P.O. Box 100, Decatur, Arkansas, 72722. You could also give online at omegaradio.org or at nwmglobal.org. So Omega Radio, all one word, as is NWM, standing for New Wine Ministry, nwmglobal.org. Remember, you could also get prayer from uh, the number that I had on the screen all morning. If you need prayer, there's a place to get that prayer. Um, also, you can give on your cell phone by texting 41088-OMEGA and type in the word GIVE. That's 41088-OMEGA and then type in the word GIVE. I want to thank everybody for joining me this week. It's been an incredible week. I think we um, are going to continue next week. And I, I, I really wanted to get on the airwaves the different necessities for life for what we see coming down the pike. And I want to get to that next week. 
hopefully we'll have the ability to do so. Until we meet again, this is Pastor Vince. You've been listening to The Watchman right here on Omega Radio. God bless you. Have a super blessed weekend. We'll see you next week. Shalom and God bless.